Good morning, and welcome to New Beginning Radio, where we're planting seeds today for a better tomorrow and taking positive steps toward our future. With me today is my co-host, Mr. Sheldon Gooch. Welcome, Mr. Gooch. Good morning, Miss Sanders. Good morning, Mr. Gooch. How are you? Man, I tell you what, if it gets any better, I'm going to have to pay amusement tax. Wow. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful this morning. Good. You have a good weekend. I had a great weekend. Tell All me. weekends are great. Okay. Tell, mm-hmm. tell us what you did. Well, I went to church. Okay. We all went out to dinner after church and actually just came back home. Just a family day that we normally do every Sunday. Okay, so faith, fun, and fellowship. Absolutely. And food. And food. (laughs) Got it, got it. Well, we're excited to be back. Good morning, everyone. This is New Beginnings Radio, and we're excited that you have joined us once again. And we have two platforms, just to do a quick review. Uh, Ms. Sanders, give us an overview of the Geneva Foundation. The Geneva Foundation is a nonprofit organization, and what we do there, we deal with the nine forms of abuse uh, in women, whether it's mentally, emotionally, physical, spiritually, sexually. We help women come out of that dark place that they've been in for such a long time into a new beginning. And, you know, we have uh, been involved with a lot of different things in the last couple of months. One of the things that we just finished is... um, Uh, Legacy 1000. We're actually uh, putting books into the prison system because we know that over 79% of the women that's incarcerated uh, has actually been abused before they got there. And as a survivor of rape, one of the things I wanted to do is to give back to women that have gone through some of the same uh, issues that I've gone through and use the little nuggets that my mom has given me to actually help someone else and I thought the best way to do that was to get involved in the prison system and also help some of the women that sometimes we just forget if they're there is something that they've done but yet it's still giving them an opportunity to see something different in their lives and hopefully by reading the book and I can actually say this book saved my life you know, growing up, it really did save my life. So I just want to kind of give back through the foundation that um, Jenny was foundation is in honor of my mother. Right. And so all the little nuggets that she gave me to survive, you know, have helped me over the years. And I just want to give back and share with other people. Well, I know that <clears throat> the nuggets that she gave you to help you survive, you've been sharing with others for for a few decades. Yeah, so for she's a long helped. Miss <laughs> Geneva has helped a lot of people. Yes, she and, has. Uh, and so our other platform is I Am Free Incorporated, and that is an organization that's, uh, the, we've been doing the work for 30 plus years, but have actually established ourselves as a nonprofit a little over a year ago. And we work with ex-offenders, and we work with uh, offenders, people who are even uh, incarcerated now, waiting to get out. And we help them uh, begin again, so to speak, chart a new course, uh, set goals. Uh, I believe it's not that we aim high and we miss, it's that we aim low and we hit. And worse, we, we aim at nothing, hit nothing dead on the head. And so many times, um, incarcerated uh, gentlemen and, and females uh, are just waiting for the day that they're released without any preparation. And then they're all of a sudden free. Now what? And uh, so our recidivism rate is remaining steady because we, we're not prepared before we leave. 
and so I'm Free Incorporated uh, is geared toward that. That's the purpose and the focus. But we're not here to talk about us, are we? Absolutely not. So we're we here to talk about. We're talking about this beautiful young lady that sits in front of me. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely, we're very excited to have our attorney, Miss Bridget Morgan, with us today. Thank you, Thank you for having me. <laughs> Good. Well, you know, Miss Morgan, you turned us on. So <laughs> you came by and visited one day, and just began to share freely from your heart. Yeah. And we were so excited. I mean, you were you were talking, and we were just sitting there, and then all of a sudden we were leaning forward, and then I felt the urge to stand up. I felt the urge to just pay <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, this is Bridget Morgan, Attorney Bridget Morgan, who um, recently ran for county judge for uh, Mississippi, Hines County Judge. And uh, we encountered her at a conference, and uh, we just knew that we had to connect with this young lady. And so, Ms. Morgan, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about yourself. The short version and the long version. <laughs> we got plenty of time. We'll make a part two if we need to. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the short version is that I am the, sing the second child of seven. I'm originally from the Delta. Um, I have, I'm a mom as well. Um, I have one seven-year-old son. And I just, I mean, my passion, like you said, you, when you met me, uh, I was campaigning. That was my first time um, ever trying that. I was in my year of yes, um, of doing things that scared me. And mm. at that particular time, someone, and I had been, you know, practicing, a practicing attorney for a few years. And um, so the, the county court seat that I ran for was for the county that I was practicing in as an attorney, in the court that I was practicing in as an attorney. So I knew how it worked. And so it was just really changing seats in the courtroom. And when I, you know, when I met you, I shared with you just what, you know, just how it is to be a public defender. And that's just my dream job. And people asking who I am, I usually say public defender. I don't even say attorney. Oh. Um, and so um, that's a little bit about who I am and where, where that drive came from um, when I was younger in, in the Delta. And I was non, an unprivileged neighborhood, of course, and where we had a corner store on each end of the store, of each, each end of the street. And so what I, what was an everyday occurrence for us was the police entering our neighborhood and just just going crazy, you know, on a regular basis. It was? It was. It, it, it was a it, common occurrence. Wow. And so as a young girl, I was like, what can I do to hold them accountable? How, how, do, I, how do I hold them accountable? How old were you when... I was probably about 13 then. Really? And then I said, what can I do to hold them accountable? I always knew I wanted to be an attorney at five. I knew that. I just didn't know what... Can, I didn't realize there was different kinds of attorneys to be. Until I got, when I was 13, I was like, okay, how do I want to hold them accountable? accountable. And, um, and then I learned about public defense and that I could be an attorney for those people who were in my neighborhood who could not afford an attorney. And that's how I came with the whole public defense thing. And I said, well, when they bring these false charges against people that I know in my neighborhood, then I can go in if I have, if I have the right skill set and the, you know, and the degrees, we can get these charges dismissed. And so that's how, in my mind, I was holding them accountable. Wow. But since then, and of course, gaining wisdom, there are other ways in which to hold the police accountable for the wrongdoing other than me other than having to meet my client behind bars and I trying see. to do it so now we you know we want to kind of get in yeah that yeah yeah <laughs> but go ahead continue but yeah so so that's what kind of made you know had that's where the drive comes from there are no attorneys in my family 
Um, so there was no roadmap for me. Um, there was literally a desire and put in my heart, you know, I guess by nobody other than God. And mm-hmm. and it was just something that I just took took on. And then, you know, knowing, like I said, having that idea in my head that I wanted to hold the police accountable, then my degree, my focus in college became criminal justice and correctional services. Because if I knew the mm-hmm. system, mm-hmm. then when I became an attorney, you know, it, it to me having that background already, because you you can you can go to college for basket weaving and go to law school. You just need a four-year degree. And so I wanted my uh-huh. four-year degree to have purpose, right? So, so I knew the criminal justice system, and some of my teachers were police officers. Some of them were a PhD. Um, one, one of them was an attorney. And that was probably the first attorney I ever met in real life um, was in Jackson State. And then my director of the um, department then asked me, told me had I ever been to a law school day thing. She had a flyer. And I said, no, I had never been. She said, well, Southern is having one. And so I wanted to be a lawyer. You know, I think I was maybe, a, I may have been a junior then, I think. And I got excited. I was like, oh, I'm going to law school for the first time to so go visit. So I, she gave me that flyer. Had a boyfriend at the time, so let's go to Baton Rouge. We had never been to Louisiana. <laughs> oh, Southern. Okay. Southern University Law Center is where right. I got my degree from. Um, and so when I walked into the law school, I was like, this is it. Like, this is it. I had never visited any other law school. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing a girl, me and this girl, we, we, we locked eyes, but we never spoke to each other. And I was mm-hmm. like, I got I to gotta know her. We didn't, we, the, the, the following year, we got accepted to law school. And we saw each other, and she got accepted again, obviously. She's from, originally from Texas, and she graduated from um, Spelman. And so when we met, I said, you were the girl that I met, that I saw that day a year ago. And she said, yeah, I remember you. And we've been friends ever since. We were, like, best oh, friends wow. now. So it was wow. just so crazy. So we went to Southern, and I was like, this is where I got to be. And once I left that visit while I was in undergrad, I ended up meeting, like, everybody. It's, it's not like everything... Southern related was coming at me. The pastor who when I was a child found out he had went to Southern. His oh. daughter had went to Southern and he knew this person over at Southern. It was like Southern, Southern, Southern. Right. So at that time, I, my faith was like really strong. It's like I literally could believe something would happen. And so I changed my, my screensaver on my computer to Southern homepage. Wow. I'm going to Southern. And so that was like in April and I took the LSAT of course and I know that was in April, that was probably in February because I took the LSAT and then I got a, I got a letter, a acceptance letter I think in March or April, right before I graduated, right before I walked across the stage. So I knew where, where I was going before I walked across the stage yeah. and got into yeah. Southern, so yeah. <laughs> wow. So, but you went into corrections and criminal justice mm-hmm. and that's a, that's another, that's a whole... And that's why I learned terms like recidivism, like what you right. talked about. Mm-hmm. I learned um, the the code, the code blue. You know, and that's what the police they have a there's a fraternity. They have a code of silence. I learned right. about that mm-hmm. and learned and learned that culture. And I didn't realize how that would play out for me in my career later on. Mm-hmm. But what you do learn also is not only not only does the degree matter, not only does the experience matter, but what really matters in criminal law is is relationships. Okay. Because you can walk in a courtroom once you've established who you are and your reputation and you've had results. Let's say you do that for about consistently about three months. Now they know who you are, and now you gotta do is just walk in, and there's no argument put up. <laughs> wow. So, so when I when I first wow. came in, because I was gonna be a public defender, when I first came into the courtroom, and they had never seen a public defender who's actually serious about it. like you you really gonna be an attorney today, right? Because they there used to be being like it's, it's it's like a what did I tell you last time? It's like a um, assembly line, you know, of sorts. Mm. 
where people are shackled and they're just waiting in line for the name to be called. Right. Yeah. But they're only a name. There's no humanity attached to it. Right. And right. so when I became a public defender, I already knew what I, before I even met Jonathan Rappin, who talks about humanity and you know and Gideon's, Gideon's promise. I'd already knew that I wanted to, inf, you know, to show them humanity in the people who so, were there. So let me back back you up just so people understand what it is you're saying. It was like an assembly line. What you're saying is, all these. Um, um, detainees yeah. mm -hmm. were lined up and, and it was just next. Yeah, it's just Whoever next. It's just next. next. It's like next. And it's like John Doe. Okay, so the judge calls out John Doe. He goes, stand, he stands up there. The attorney hasn't taken the time to even ask permission from the judge to go and speak to this guy for two seconds and say, well, besides your name, do you have a daughter? You have a son? What's going on at home that you need to be out of jail today? Oh, you know, man. and those are the kind of questions you ask so that you can create a story right and you can create a story real quickly you know and you don't need a, I don't need an hour to meet with you because literally you got 18 people on the docket there's this, this felonies you got 33 right. who doing misdemeanors so they get into the misdemeanor docket first right then it gets to the 18 felonies and it's like John Doe come up you've been charged with aggravated assault in the news on the news we already know you did it <laughs> you did it anyway so uh no bun and nobody's putting up a fight nobody nobody's saying well hey he's actually unemployed he's actually receiving um SSI check and if he's incarcerated it'll stop you know and if it stops he loses his house so nobody's asking those kinds of questions right and so when I come in I'm like getting two men like judge can you please give me at least a few minutes to talk to these people and I got 18 people I got 18 minutes one minute one minute one minute one minute and by the time I come up there I not only have I built trust in those 60 seconds with the, with the client but now I'm able to tell a story in the, you know what I mean and, and now now it goes from no bun general just a whole blanket no bun so okay now we're talking numbers you know, and this time, um, someone, Mr. John Doe, he can afford by $15,000 a bond. He has a family. They're in the courtroom as well, and so they're going to put half up for him. And so, you know, he needs to be out of prison because he needs to be out of jail this time. And he's going to be held. Trial's going to be two years from now. He's going to be lost his, in 90 days, he'll be lost his um, SSI check. You know, he's a quad, he has a quadriplegic mom at home who he's the only caregiver for. You know, and those kind of things are being sold. And just like, okay, $15,000 makes sense. So everything is about the story that you tell. Yeah, it's about the story. Wow, it's about the story. And so when you start doing that initially, having never seen that, it's like, wait a minute, what are you doing? And so the trust is not Yeah, are up. you serious? You know, and so once once the people saw the results and the judge was able, somebody who had to actually learn to accept that, because it's like, hey, we, we used to go through here real fast. Now you want to tell me a story. Right. You know what I mean? And it wasn't a long story, but the fact that you're bringing humanity, now the judge, not only, he doesn't just see an aggravated assault. He doesn't just see what the news show was talking about right. or the warrant that he signed five minutes ago. Mm. Now he sees John Doe, the father, John Doe, the caregiver, right. John Doe, the maybe he's a retired veteran who's receiving, you know, now he, he, it's something attached to John Doe other than just that aggravated assault charge. And so once that happens, you insert the humanity back to the, to the, per, to the person. And then when I got results, the police officer, at some point they were like, I would come in after, they, after I started doing that because then they were like, Bridge, I'm not going to fight with you. What do you want? Wow. wow. And that's what I mean by relationships. Yeah. You know, and that's amazing when it comes to a person sitting there and mm -hmm. not knowing what's going to happen. Exactly. And the first thing they, they think is, I got a public defender. Exactly. They're not going to go work for oh, me. Oh, no. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and I would get that all the time. In those 60 seconds, 30, yeah. 30 seconds that I spent trying to convince them that, or oh, sometimes I wouldn't even, I, I would say, you know what? You're free to hire another attorney if you want to. But right now, I'm all you got to get a bond. Your other attorney that you're going to get probably come next week. By this time, you may not get it back into the court until X, Y, and Z. So right. I'm trying to help you now and get out of jail. And that's what they want to hear. They want to get out of jail. And so then they're 
But yeah, but they really think that public defenders are not real attorneys. He'll say, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to hire me a lawyer. I said, yeah, I'm a lawyer. I went to law school. I passed the bar. So I chose this profession. It didn't choose me. So yeah. how do you get the judge to say, okay, I can give you this minute? Because sometimes they can it's be just very a matter of asking. Cold, it's just a matter of cold. asking. It's literally just a matter of asking. And a lot of people like to, you know, you see, if you see one person doing something, you're just like, okay, this is the way to go. I'm not, I'm not even going to push the envelope. But I'm like, I got... I got 60 seconds and I got, and I, it's like life or death. Mm-hmm. I, I know that once they pass this threshold, I won't see them again because, or they won't see another judge again for at least, I know because the courts are backed up. So when you're talking about a preliminary hearing, which everybody doesn't get, unless a, a, another t- attorney is really pushing for that, you got to call the court, the court administrator and say, hey, I want X, Y, Z court date. It's a strategy to it all. Right, and right. so sometimes when people would say, "I want to get, I want to have my own attorney," then you you don't have me to call, to call the court administrator now for your preliminary hearing. So now you're now you you you're using that one phone call you get when you go back there to call your family, try to get a lawyer, and that's it. And more than likely, they don't have the money to hire a lawyer. So now you just stuck with no lawyer at all, and we can, you lost in the system. That's how quickly you can get lost in the system. And that's how the jails end and, up crowded. And that's how jails end up crowded. And then oftentimes too, you would have these private attorneys. Who would say, okay, I'll take this case and I'll charge you maybe, I'll say, I'm going to I'm gonna go on a low end and say, I'll charge $1, you $1,000, $1,500. That is a low end. And that's just for one appearance. And so I, I showed up for you at the bond hearing, but and I'm not coming back up until you get indicted and then this one I'm going to charge you $10,000 because we might go to trial. And so you and so you piecemeal <laughs> the right. prices, you know, and it's like they got still got to pay this high bond, so I'm paying you all this. So then, I, I, I one time went in court and I literally had co defendants. One said he wanted his own attorney, it's fine, sir. You know, I'm not gonna argue with you. And the other co- had, and I went and got him a five. The one I had five thousand dollar bond. The private attorney came right behind me and got his client twenty five thousand dollar bond. All he did was say, you know, I'm gonna ask for a reasonable bond this time. What's reasonable, sir? Yeah, that's subjective. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, wow. but but you want a private attorney, but it's like, and I'm saying that's why I didn't put up. I I knew my worth, so I didn't put up an argument, try to convince them one way or the other. It was just like, okay, you get your private attorney, that's what you want to do, but your results probably going to be not the same because it's about mm-hmm. relationships. And when when you have someone that's literally driven by passion, mm-hmm. um, and it's just not policy or protocol or procedure, mm-hmm. um, then there's definitely a difference mm-hmm. in the outcome. Absolutely. Wow. So have you ever had any of the people that you actually help to get a bond to call you and say, hey, I want you to be my attorney? Oh, yeah. And I said, I say I am your attorney. But it may like, can I pay you? So I feel like I, you can't pay me. You can't pay me. This is free. Like, I'm already, I'm already, I'm already, I'm going to get a salary whether you want me or not. I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a check at the end of the month. Wow. That and, is amazing. And, and so you get this. And, and, and that was my motto, to be able to give million dollar service for free. That was my motto. And so that's what they were getting. And you didn't have to pay a dime. And to the point that when I did get out on my own, I didn't know how to charge, you know, how attorneys charge because I was thinking public defender mind. I'm Mm -hmm. like, I know they can't really afford this. I can shake them up and down, Mm -hmm. but how would I really feel? You know what I mean? Does it really really Mm -hmm. cost this much to go into court for 30 minutes and... you know, and and so I struggle with that. That's, that's where your passion practice. comes in. That's where mm, my yeah. That's not, where you're be that's, that, <laughs> that separates you really. Yeah. In the industry, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I mean, I have paid one hundred and fifty dollars for a brief conversation mm-hmm. that, that didn't last that long. Mm-hmm. 
and and or they prorated the hour, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, all I, all I did was it sent me an invoice. Mm -hmm. All I did was ask you a few mm -hmm. couple of questions. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, my my attendant, that's what she <laughs> she sent, you know. I was like, wow. So that is that is very telling what you what you're sharing with everyone mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. And I hope you don't make any any adversaries out there uh, in the in the legal profession. <laughs> but, oh, that's easy to do. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. You know, but your passion is going to get you much further than mm -hmm. anything else, mm -hmm. because if you can take care of no matter what that person is going through, because a lot of times they're saying in the Bible they know not what they do. Right. You mm -hmm. know, and sometimes people just need an, a, another opportunity mm -hmm. to do the right thing. Right. You know, and if you charging them boohoo's over here, you know they. I'm amazed. Mm -hmm. I really am. I, and I remember the first time that um, that I met you. It was downtown at a conference, mm -hmm. and you just walked up and I, <laughs> after you left. I'm like, who in the world is this girl? <laughs> <laughs> you just walked up and, and you just smiled. So what y'all do? <laughs> and, and I'm like, okay, she got a lot of nerve. She just walked right on up to us and say, what are y'all doing? You know. And I, when you left that night, I came home and I was just thinking about all the people that I met. And you was the second person that I thought about. Mm -hmm. The first one I thought about was the gentleman that told me, yes, you can go and have 15 minutes to tell your story. Mm -hmm. But just your presence you know, was just unbelievable. And I'm like, I really need to know her. She can be added to my list of children that I have. <laughs> but I, I was just so impressed with right. you. And that day when you came by my office, you sit and you talk. You know, at first it started off kind of slow. Mm -hmm. When I say slow, and then you start opening up. And you start sharing your heart. When you left here, I was almost in tears because mm -hmm. I could feel the passion that mm -hmm. you have for other mm -hmm. people. Right. And that is truly where your blessing come in. Mm -hmm. If you can just step back away from me and money and mm -hmm. go help God's child, mm -hmm. oh, mm -hmm. you're just amazing what he's going to do for you. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, and it's just sometimes it's, it's hard, you know. I, and I've always, I got attorneys in my family and I'm like, Hey, I do that, you know. Mm. But I'm a, I'm gonna charge them this much, you know. A poor person, how are you gonna do that? How can you justify that? And the other thing, where's your conscience? Mm -hmm. It's hard to justify. It, it where's your conscience mm -hmm. when you know you just want to do, you should do the right thing for the right reason. And I just applaud you for what you do. Yeah. I really do. I mean, I'm just excited for you. Just reflecting back on what you just said a, a, a few minutes ago, you said. Um, I'm doing this because I want to. I'm going to get a check anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I want to help you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whereas I've seen the mindset mm -hmm. that says, I'm getting a check anyway, whether I help you or not. <laughs> right. I don't care about right. that. Right, right. Yeah. And, and then so. you have some that say, yeah, I'm going to get a check, but I can get this over here too because they're going to pay me. Mm -hmm. You know, people do disrespectful stuff, you know. Right. But, right. but to, that, and that shows, that shows your character. Because a lot of people say, yeah, you know, it's going to cost this, you give me this, you're going to be in court with them anyway. Mm -hmm. Why would you do that? Right. You know, that shows character. And ugh, you got a bright future, child. Now, <laughs> you do. When we talked before, you mentioned something about, like, alternatives to incarceration. Mm -hmm. But you were expressing yourself and you, you were sharing your heart. 
along those lines. Alternatives to incarceration, um, different programs. Um, um, for example, I think I told you I would tell the instead of asking for a cash money bond, I would say, well, I know about this particular home and this particular um, program that would take, like I think I told you about um, Heinz Community College. They mm-hmm. have this program called My Best Program. Yeah. And I found out about that, and it literally pays you to go to class for, I think, about six to ten weeks. Gives you a degree, okay. gives you uh, an employer, um, and then if you want to stay there, it gives you a stipend and allows you to stay there. And then if you if you if you didn't stay there, they give you a stipend for gas money to travel there. Totally free program. I don't know if things have changed now, but I could not get a single client in their program. And yeah. I, I mean, I had I had a direct contact. All I had to do was send them. I think I got one girl, but I don't know if she continued. But it was totally free. And it was like, hey, judge, you know, instead of this guy's 17, maybe 17 years old, he already has his um, high school diploma. He's interested in welding. They have a program out here, my best, one of those things. Let's put him in that, you know, versus a money bond. And let's have a court order to this program versus a court order money bond, house mm. arrest. You know, it's not going to really affect, it's not really going to help him in the long run. So the my best program, it's designed for alternative no no it's, it's not designed for, no it's not oh it's I not see. it's absolutely not it's, it's literally a college with the with, with like um those short-term um what do you get certificates i, I see so no so as, as a public defender you're also a social worker and so when i would when i would when i would hear i just heard about it from somebody and so i said to myself you know you just started to get creative and you like well if the whole idea is to have someone not return to jail or you know that maybe he didn't have money, and that's why he did what he did. Or you, you it's a story behind whatever yeah, before they got there, right? Absolutely. And so if if the whole point is to rehabilitate them, and can we start right now? Why why do we have to sentence him to parchment and then ask him to rehabilitate him? Why can't we start right now? So if you get if you let's say you put him in this program as a part of bond, that he's go to this program and he has six to ten weeks because it's gonna take longer than that to get an indictment or to go to trial. Right. Then right. by the time he does get an indictment, you say, Hey, well this man's been working X, Y, and Z. He's done that since then. Wow. And then you probably get these charges dismissed. Because now he's he's rehabilitated himself before he even got into the system to be destroyed <laughs> to begin with. Because that's a win win too. Yeah, it because is. if he's getting his education that he needs mm-hmm. The state or federal is not paying all this money on a daily basis just to house, a wow, to house this person. Yeah. Wow. So where were you when I was getting in trouble? <laughs> I was man, not born. <laughs> no, she wasn't born. No, she was you not know, here. Because I had, woo, I had my share of troubles. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and I think when, when people realize, I mean, sometimes when I was running for judge and, and I would have these conversations, I noticed that people who ran recently for other positions, they ran, they called it smart justice, but they were saying the exact same thing that I was saying. And sometimes people will say, oftentimes, uh, oh, well, you're being soft on crime. There's no soft on crime. Mm-mm. You can be like the people were in the 80s when, when they got scared of the drugs and they, and we got scared of our own selves. Mm-hmm. Right. And we started to be these tough on crime things and where did that get us? A whole bunch of us locked up. 13th Amendment where you're not a slave unless you're a criminal. Mm-hmm. And so now we just enslaved ourselves because we thought we were being tough on crime. And it doesn't help anybody because at the end of the day, if I'm tough on crime, I put John Doe in jail for 10 years. John Doe, he my neighbor when he get out in 10 years. Right. Do I want John Doe to be rehabilitated? Or do I want John Doe to <laughs> come, and come out with no ID, no money, nothing else? And then he come to my house and get my TV because he, he got to eat. So my thing is, if we start on the, the moment the cuffs hit his wrist, start rehabilitation 
we have saved so many people so much time, so much money, and we can just avoid this whole sending people to hell right. and want them to come back, want them to come back he- heavenized. There's no, it, it makes no sense. Mm-mm. It makes no sense whatsoever because you're putting them in there to learn how to be criminals because you have other criminals in there and you're not really you have a choice to go to school and get degrees while you're in jail in prison. Right. And so right. who's doing it? Who I mean, how many people are really converting to Muslim and mm-hmm. doing the right thing? They're getting gangs for protection. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Nobody's thinking about it. They're asking, you know. I know the system all too well. So before I get them in there to learn how to be better criminals, let's stop them right here. Let's rehabilitate them the moment they get in front of If I were a judge, I see him in front of me with handcuffs on. This is his first appearance. He's been in jail 48 hours at most. If if they had no no rules have been violated, no no rights have been violated, what you public defendant tell me his story. That would be me as a judge. What's his story? Mm. And so now you're telling me his story, and I get to figure out. It's not just a whole. Let's let's be like Madison County and lock them all up. No, let's 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 be. You know, let's 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 figure out what the circumstances are, what the facts are, and let's figure out how to help the situation because they still got to come back out. Whether mm-hmm. I get them a hundred dollars, some, some people say some people go sell their home, their mom sell their homes and their cars to make to make their high bond. That's right. So they coming back out anyway. So mm-hmm. what? And so then they paid the bond to a third party. The bail bondsman got rich. We don't know who benefited. Right. The bad yeah. bonds were did. Yeah. The right. county right. didn't. Mm-hmm. The city didn't get the money. Yeah, that's right. true. Right. That is true. Oh, so man. it makes absolutely no sense. I just have one question. When are you running again so I can be <laughs> your support system man, and, you. and, 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 and rally behind this cause? Because that is exactly what the prison system needs. Exactly what yeah. they need, you know. You put a per I, I was reading the news listening to the news the other day. And I can't think, it was so small that this gentleman did, but they put him in jail for 35 years. Oh, yeah. It was so mm-hmm. simple. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't even remember what it was, but it was so simple. And I thought, for that? I've seen a, I've seen a guy go to jail, in my, and when I was a public defender, he was 32 years old for life, for a bad chick, because it was a third strike. Because the judge at that time decided that anybody who was a habitual offender could not get a deal with the, with the prosecutor. There was no deal. There was no negotiation whatsoever. You were automatically had to go. Automatically had to go to trial. And you know mm-hmm. if you go if you automatic if you go to trial and you they have proof that you wrote a twelve hundred dollar check. Right. right. You know that's it. And that twelve hundred because that's great. It's a felony. Because yeah, because of, a fe- exactly because of the amount. amount. So right. so so you, a thirty two year old going to jail for life because your your third strike was writing a bad check. And we don't know the circumstances behind it. We don't know if you wrote the check or you turned the check in because your light bill was whatever. We don't know. Right, right. But it's it, it, it ended up being your life. And it's like so, and that's because a judge decided that he didn't want them to negotiate mm-hmm. to get this down. Because that could have been an easy one year, I don't know, probation, you right. know, something. But right. because there were no, no negotiations allowed, the judge forced it to go to trial. Now, one of the things that, and, and I used to get on the soapbox about this, about there being a lack of uniformity mm-hmm. in the sentence, mm-hmm. where one person can get a certain amount mm-hmm. for the same crime mm-hmm. that, and that another person did mm-hmm. who got a different amount. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, but to backtrack on what you were just talking about, uh, about the story, when I steal a pack of cookies, they say, La Gucha, he stole those cookies. <laughs> But when others can steal some cookies, they can say they'll say it didn't it, it just doesn't seem right. Something had to be wrong. What mm-hmm. find out what the situation mm-hmm. was, you know. Mm-hmm. Um he's upstanding. He I've seen him play it out in Corey's Man. And I mean literally the same moment. 
I seen it play out in court as well. And I literally, and, and this is where I say push the envelope. I don't have the, I don't know what it is, the, this, the, the control, I guess it is, to just stand by and watch something injustice happen and not say a thing. Mm -hmm. That's just not me, and it's like, what would it harm me if I say something? Yeah, right. is somebody mad? Yeah, because I literally saw a black man charged with I want to say it was it was cocaine, possession of cocaine, and he had he had already explained to the jury that he was an addict and that he had lost his job behind all this and everything. I think he was about I'm gonna say he was about forty something years old, and he could not really afford any kind of bun whatsoever. I think the judge may have gave him a ten thousand on the bun. My argument for everybody, black, white, Hispanic, polka dot, I didn't care, was the the rules now say that you shall release them on their own recognizance unless they are a danger to the community. This is a victimless crime. He's a possession of cocaine. Who did he harm? He's telling you that he harmed himself. Right. So at this point, there was no reason why he could, should not have been released on his own recognizance and able to come so, back to so court. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. I, I hate to interrupt you. <laughs> but you said... That is the law now? Yeah, that, that, that law came out July 2018, I want to say, where these are new criminal justice uh, procedure rules. Right. 8.2 says if you're the, in the terms of bond and bail, right. that you shall mm -hmm. be releasing your own recognizance unless you're a danger to the community. Man. And so that was my argument. Like, that, I mean, this is what the court said. The Supreme Court said this shall. There's no shall deciding no, whether or yeah. not you want to do it or not. This, this is. man is not danger. And so the police officer on the other side is not is saying he's not danger to the community, he's not a flight risk. What is your argument? You, you have no. The, he's saying that he's not. He made the arrest. He was there in the circumstance. He know what what he encountered. He didn't find him to be a danger to the community. I'm standing here beside this man, and he's telling you he's an addict. Let's give this. Let's let it release one of his own cognizance. He's lost everything already, mm. you know. So ten thousand dollar bond for this man. Next up, literally next up, literally next up, right. Caucasian man. Same argument. I have no. My passion doesn't change. You know. And this time I want to ask. He's been charged with possession of meth. This time wouldn't ask for for uh, him to release his own his own recognizance and um, you know at this time you know whatever I told his little story. Who, who guess what he got released from his own recognizance? Twenty five year old white man, daddy in the courtroom saying that he you know he's he's concerned about his son, this that and other, and all of a sudden now you see why he needs to be released on his own. He has a support system. He could afford it. They will find thousand dollars to get him out. Right. This man standing here alone. All he got is me sitting here making his argument. So when that happened, I, I did. At the court was over, I pulled the judge to the side. Said, "You may not even. You may not. Have, you you might have not even realized your own bias in that point." And I understand that because you you do so much today. But this is what you just did. You said that to I said the judge. That. I said that. This is just he and I. This is what you just did. So what happened? And he said, I didn't even notice that. He said, I would never do that. that that's not who I And I said, I, I know you wouldn't, but you, you didn't notice it. And so I'm asking this time, this be, we, we look at this a different way. And so it ended up being reduced. That guy's, that, that guy's going to end up being reduced because I want him to see. You, you, saw, you, saw, you saw a criminal in this person, but you saw this person here needed help. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if it was the skin color or the fact that his dad was in the courtroom. I don't know, but this 25-year-old man has time to mm -hmm. get it together. And he has a support system. This 45-year-old man has told you he lost everything, job and all. Wow. So I've seen it play out, and that's why I say, put, just ask the question, push the envelope, like just let them know. Maybe they, maybe he didn't see it, but he did then. And I, and I bet you any kind of money from that moment on, every day it, that, that was in the forefront of his mind. Of course, came before of him. course. Am I? Am I? You know what I mean? I'm conscious of what I'm doing now. Right. That is wow. That is powerful. But how many other attorneys do that? No, they don't. <laughs> they don't. And very few attorneys go into it saying, "I want to be a public defender." Yeah. So that that makes you a very unique person, anyway. Yeah, in you that, really are. That alone. 
Um, so you were talking about a gentleman uh, in Atlanta that mm-hmm. you were affiliated with. Mm-hmm. And, and the last time, you know, you have a sort of a, a rapid speech, right? I do. And, <laughs> and, 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 and you know what? It slowed down the other day. I was in court, and, and, and a court reporter said, Bridget, I'm just going to tell everybody about how slow you're talking today. She said, what changed? I just said, I don't know. <laughs> I had a good day that day. <laughs> but, I, but when you were talking the last time, and that, that had to be two months ago, but I remember you were talking about that yeah. gentleman, mm-hmm. and I didn't get it all. Mm-hmm. And I actually thought, uh, a local politician was yeah. uh, was that same person, mm-hmm. but you mind? Yeah, so that guy, his name was Jonathan Rappin. Mm-hmm. I met Jonathan Rappin. Like I said, I was going to be a public defender, and my friends knew that. So the girl who I had eye contact with in law school, and we met just the following year, she had another friend who worked for this company. That at that time it was called Southern Pu- Southern Public Defender Training Center (SPDTC). SPDTC was what it was called. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was a year 2011. I started law school in 2010. So it may have been 2011. My friend girl said, hey, you want to be a public defender? They're having a conference here. You can go intern here. And so I went to Alabama. And I interned that weekend for the conference. For the, and the public defenders came from all over. And they were being trained at this particular thing. And so my heart just, well, it could just, it was just could have pushed out of my chest. Because I was just, oh, wow. I was like, there are more people like me in the world. <laughs> there are other people right. like me in the world. And I was like, I thought I was like an anomaly, you know, between right. and the girl who I made eye contact with, she wanted a public defender too. Okay. So it's like, I don't know, it's crazy how our, our, our spirits just like attach to one another. So then she, so I went there and I, uh, and I never forget, I took a picture in the mirror and I said, future public defender. And I was like, in, still in law school and not knowing that I would literally end up being a public defender and going through this program. But then the name changed. So, as I'm as I'm signing signing in different lawyers or whatever, I'm, I'm sneaking into these rooms and like hearing what they're talking about because I want to I want to already know I want to be ahead that's, of the game. You know that's what I mean? hunger right there. <laughs> I want to hear what they're saying. So I, I never this guy Andre Vitale and he's in there. He's one of the one of the um because they have different um professors than all over the world and they literally they teach for free. They um, the, the program pays for their travel, but they teach. They come from Harvard. They come from Maryland. Like mm. top notch people from all over the world. And so, but they're public defenders. And so Andre Vitale was in there. He has a ponytail. He looks like, he really looks like the mob, one of the mob members. <laughs> he has like sleek ponytail. He's oh, short. Wow. He has a ring on his finger. And he has like the three-piece suit on with the vest. So, you know, with the little, <laughs> with the little clock chain hanging. Like, he has his whole ordeal. <laughs> and this is a grown man. So imagine, right. yeah, I, gave, I, gave, I gave you the image of him. And we're in a ballroom. And everybody, you know, for some reason, at some moment you learn when you in the program that they have these moments. And where they're in these rooms and they get to tell what they've experienced or whatever their struggles have been, their challenges have been. And he's telling us his story. And something happened in the courtroom to which his client must have been found guilty. And he said, he was explaining in the courtroom how he, how he just laid out in the courtroom in tears. And this grown man standing and telling us his story. And his tears falling out of his eyes as he's telling us his story. And at that moment, I knew it was real. I was like, people like me are in this room. This is a grown white man looking like he in the mob crying <laughs> about his black African-American client mm. you know what I mean and so it's people who are like really really caring so I was like I gotta get back here I gotta get here I gotta hurry and get finished with law school and I gotta get back into this you know into this wow. place so I met Jonathan Rappin then and I stayed in contact and I and I, the the way the program works is you have to be at a public defender's office you just can't be at any or Joe Blow off the street going through the program mm-hmm. you have your, your your office has to partner with their particular program and so when I, I knew when I became a public defender that's the first day 
dude, can I go to Gideon's Promise? Because it had got in the name changed from Southern Public Defender Training Company to, to Gideon's, Gideon's Promise. Promise, and that comes from Gideon versus Wainwright. When you when you when you oh. get the first when you know when the, your, your right to counsel, so it comes from from that case, and so it's like you, we're we're going to enforce Gideon's Gideon's they, that case. The promise was to have a right to counsel, insufficient counsel. So he's training public defenders to have the right to be have the right resources to come in and counsel people, you know, at every stage. So I went in as a public defender here in Hines County, and I'm like, give me his promise. How, where do I sign up? The, my first right. day, and so it's a three-year program. We went in there um, for three years, and in the first the first time you go, you, you meet for two weeks. Two weeks, and it's like, I think my class had 40 people in there, people from every state, all over the world. You don't know them at all, but you learn to love them and know them. It's a complete mental bonding experience that I, wow. it's like nothing that I've ever seen before and what it did what I, what I didn't appreciate and what I appreciate now was that as, as I light up now by public defense when I left that program in two weeks I was not, I did not see light it showed me just how dark the public defense world was because I'm but I'm, I'm but I'm but a speck of pepper in a snowstorm you know what right, I mean right. so it showed me just how dark it was and I was mad that he showed me I was mad that he took the rose colored glasses off of my eyes you know, in that process, and so, but then you go every six months, it's like a family reunion, and they come back together again, you go for a weekend, and they, whether it may be in Atlanta, it may be in Alabama, it may be, we, we made an old Miss for two weeks, and you literally, the federal public defenders come in and train you, you literally learn telling the story. The one lady from Yazoo, I mean, one lady from Harvard, she did a whole opening and closing statement, and she put, she literally grabbed a, a United States flag, because they want you to push the envelope, and cloak it around her client. And she was telling her closing statement. <laughs> wow. wow. And so imagine your client in courtroom with a, with a United States flag cloaked around and you're telling you, you're pushing the envelope. Yeah, you're telling you this man, you're, you're, not, you're not just coming in and your blow. They're, they're telling you how to, how to pace and how to, in the room, where to stand, so your voice can, telling you how to pause. Like when you get in there, you say, Your Honor. You know when you get quiet, everybody looking like, what's going on? Right. You get everybody's attention. And you start to speak. And you start to use words like, you know, passion pause you know and make people remember mm -hmm. so now you can you get the juries engaged the jury, and so it was like you're learning so many different techniques in this program and it's a three-year program mm -hmm. when you come out so the passion's already there for me and i come out of there with more skills to do the job that's powerful and so that's i powerful. love the program that is like the most amazing program ever i wish i could go back through it again <laughs> wow. um but yeah i want to stay affiliated with giddy with uh jonathan rapping and getting from it's like the only program of his kind you know, when I was, I guess I'll go ahead and say it, you know, when I, mm -hmm. when I was 17, mm -hmm. um, I went to prison mm -hmm. in Michigan. Mm -hmm. But I was sitting in jail, mm -hmm. and I was watching this guy named Charles Campbell. Mm -hmm. He might be worth looking up back in the long time ago. Okay. <laughs> anyway, but he would do that very same thing. Mm -hmm. He only wanted trial. Mm -hmm. He never wanted to plea, plea or, you know, take a cop or anything. He, he always wanted trial. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of a short guy, mm -hmm. and he was mixed, mm -hmm. and he did the same thing, mm -hmm. the antics, mm -hmm. and, the, yeah, he, you yeah. know, crying and, mm -hmm. and leaning over mm -hmm. and talking to the jur mm -hmm. jurors and all mm -hmm. that, and uh, it's sort of a, yeah. a, a drama. It's, yeah, it, like it's a, psychodrama. Okay. It's definitely psychodrama. But, the, you know, psychodrama is, is more so learned for, in Jerry Spence. Jerry Spence is the older guy who's won everything. He's won all of his... Trials undefeated as old a white man. Uh, he's been doing it for years. I think he started out with um, Southern Poverty. You ever heard of Southern Poverty Law Center? Yes. Now he started out back in Alabama. He represented um, the KKK member. People was asking, "Why would you represent this person?" 
and, uh, and this is the story is just amazing. And but it goes on. Jerry Spence goes on, and he now he has his training, and and literally I got accepted to both at the same time. Wow. So Jerry Spence was my dream, mm. but I knew about Gideon's promise, and so when I applied for Jerry Spence, they said, "Yeah, you got accepted, but half a scholarship." And then Gideon's promise came and said, "You got accepted." And I said, "Which one do I go to?" And I was like, "I gotta go to Gideon's. Like I've been holding on to Gideon's forever." Jerry Spence wow. is a two-week program. Gideon's promise is a three-year. You know, spread out. And so I end up going to Gideon's Promise, and that at some point I'll, I'll reapply to Jerry Spence before he gets out of here, so he can train. Right. So mm-hmm. how old of a gentleman is he now? I mean, he's probably seventies. Yeah. And they and they do it in Black Hole, Wyoming. Wow. Yeah. No, wow. no internet. No, no. It's just. <laughs> and I have so many classmates. I'm, I'm talking about real live. What do you call them? Gladiators. Who they go there. And they, I mean, people, Harry Daniels, he's one of the guys, he's over, uh, he went to Southern, but he graduated well, years before me, been named super lawyer for ye over and over, consistently, for the state of Louisiana, consistently trials, winning them, and he's been wow. everywhere, places like NCDC, where they, they train you, but so the, tra- the knowledge is out there, it's out there to, to, mm-hmm. in, to really get it and really do a good job. This is inspiration, <laughs> because Miss Sanders will tell you. Um, I was considering law school, mm-hmm. and um, and really was looking mm-hmm. forward to it. Mm-hmm. But you know, you have these challenges that you. You just can do it because I'm gonna tell you a story. I'm gonna tell you to inspire you. <laughs> this guy was one one of my classmates at the Gideon's Promise. White guy, gang member, law went to law school, gang member. Um, I mean, his mom is all kind of stuff that he did. He, he, they knew him. He got arrested over thirty times. <laughs> Goodness. He passed. He passed the bar, but he could not practice because of his character and fitness. You only get to do the character and fitness. So he just re- he had to go all the way up to the Supreme Court to prove that he had changed his life around. Oh my So for God. a year after passing the bar, he could not practice because they would not give him his license because of the character and fitness part of it. Long story short, he went and he found he had he had hired lawyers and he's a lawyer. He got to hire a lawyer <laughs> to argue his case in front of the Supreme Court. And eventually, Louisiana they, they realized okay, this man has changed his life. And they let him in. Wow. But that, yeah, he was, he was a white guy. He, he he had got involved with like, I think it was like a Mexican gang or something, wherever he was from. Okay. Like and Mexican so, mom. yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. That, that's, powerful. that's powerful. What's your next five-year plan? Five years is very short. Five years has passed like so fast now. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, with the way the climate is and the politics is in Jackson, mm-hmm. I'm not certain if, if it's going to be Jackson. I, I'm really not um, what I would love to do I would, I would still love to be able to go back into public defense mm-hmm. and I would love to teach <clears throat> oh wow at, at, the, at the graduate well a collegiate level undergrad not law school like I want to talk mm-hmm. to the young folks who are coming through mm-hmm. um, that's what I would love like if, if I had to just pick my career public defense would still be on top of the list to go back to doing whether it's federal or state Wow. Now, you referenced an incident or something that happened mm-hmm. that helped sort of seal the deal for, for you. Um, you saw an injustice or something that uh, that you mentioned before that you said, you know, I needed to do this. In my hometown? Was, I, I guess it was in the hometown. What, made me want to be a public defender? Right. Oh, so I just saw the police coming into our neighborhood, and they, uh, our one, one, one time in particular, this guy, his name was Johnny, and the police literally would come, he was a skinny dude, and they just would grab him by the shirt and just beat him up. 
just just with you could be walking down the street and they just would do stuff. I had a ten year old brother. I told you it was a corner store on each end of the street. That one time they had my ten year old brother he was walking to the store, and so they would jump out because people would load our course out in the store, right. and had my brother by his shirt, in the air off off his feet on the mm. ground. A ten year old boy, mm. and nobody nobody even filing ID, you know, complaints. Nobody, you know, who can you tell? It was almost like we were just powerless to them. They, they would set a roadblocks on our street. You're not supposed to set a roadblocks in residential neighborhoods. We couldn't bag at our neighbor. We couldn't bag at our driveway because police were there setting up roadblocks in the neighborhood. They weren't doing it in the white people's neighborhood. They weren't. They weren't doing it. So it was so much. In, my neighborhood all the time. It was so much injustice happening that I was like, and I felt so powerless as a 13 year old girl. And I was like, when I get it, I got. I got to come back. Like I gotta. I gotta be able to hold these people accountable for what they're doing because nobody was holding them accountable. At all. So, so have you been back? Yeah, I've been back home. I went back home to study for the bar, and when I first I, I passed the bar the first time in September, of twenty thirteen, and then that's when I spent some time home doing some. Like I told you, I, I don't charge, but I'm supposed to charge. So I had a couple of cases, um, there. But then I ended up coming back to Jackson. I got a job here, and I'm coming back to Jackson. That's interesting. I have a question. I'm not certain how to ask it. <clears throat> if there is an individual person that has state and federal time, mm -hmm. is how possible is it for that person to serve time for both? Consecutively. Yes. Conse yeah. Oh, concurrently. Well, con con they, yeah. they don't. They don't. And once the state get through with them, or once the federal get through with them, they'll go to state. Once they, they go. Sometimes state will... Sometimes a good prosecutor would just say, "Okay, you already doing fed time for it. We're going to remain in charge and let the feds do whatever they're going to do." Mm -hmm. But you can be charged state and federally for the same crime, and you can do your punishment here and do your punishment there. Well, and it's never together. Mm -mm. Wow. Because you know, state you can, you can get parole and probation, but federal you can't get parole. They want you to do your flat time. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, you know. Um, there is so much ignorance uh, on the, the, the everyday citizen, mm -hmm. the, on the common citizen. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so much so that when I go out and I speak to young people about committing crimes mm -hmm. and, and all of that, I say, do you know how much time you can get for that? They don't, they don't know. Mm -hmm. you, know you, you know, I read somewhere that you should count the cost. Mm -hmm. You should know, mm. you know what the outcome can be. And... Um, and so there's so much ignorance, you know, because a person wakes up in the morning, the last thing they, they have on their mind is just be a good day for me to throw my whole life away. Exactly. Mm -hmm. you know? That's exactly what they do. Yeah, and then they would literally come in when uh, they would be charged with these crimes because they don't know what time what time carry. I'm like, okay, I'll tell them in one minute I'm able to talk to them. This, this crime carries 25. What? And they would just freak out. Yeah, I'm sure. Right. Or, you know, if it's, uh, yeah, 25 to life, murder, it's like, automatic. what? You just, and then you hollering and scream. It's like, yeah, you were just big and bad a minute ago. And it's like, this is what this is. <laughs> you're not going to get 25 years today, but just understand that you're facing that until this crime, you plead it out or you go on trial. Right. You know? Right, um, right, right. So, yeah, they, they, they are alarmed. Mm. <laughs> when you tell them how much time the particular crime carries. So, what, um, what would you tell what what would be your parting parting remarks um, in terms of either to young people or their parents or the judicial system or the, the law enforcement I mean you know it's a, it's a, it's a broad thing but it what's 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 the urge what's bubbling up in you 
the urge is that we're all connected. Mm. That we are all one decision away from living a totally different life. That whether I decide to pull out, I mean, the smallest detail of my life affects somebody else that I probably have not yet, have, that I have not yet met. Mm. And once we can understand that and appreciate that, we will make better decisions. I can decide as a public defender. I'll give you an example. I can describe, I can decide as a public defender that you know I have cases on my desk. Mm-hmm. And today I know that I probably need to file this motion because he's been in jail 90 days. And I should file this motion and let people know so that he can possibly get a bond. Or I decide not to make a decision. And now 90 days has turned into 180 days. And where he could have still saved this house in the 90-day period, he mm-hmm. lost it in the lost 180 it. period mm-hmm. because Bridget didn't file a motion. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> so, <laughs> I've heard of people being in jail two, three years mm-hmm. and never seen a judge. Yeah. And now, that, now that I've never seen that. But I don't think that they've never seen a judge per se. They've seen, they should have seen somebody within 40 hours at least get a bond. They may not have seen one since then. Wow. But, and they can get lost in the system because you, you said you're going to get a private attorney. So, so it's on you to go out right. and your family to find an attorney. It's, it's no longer on the county or anybody else to go out and, and make sure you had call your family and say, did y'all find an attorney? Nobody's doing that. So that's how you get lost in the system. It's easier for you to say, no, I'm not, I don't have the money for an attorney right now. Get appointed one so you have one in every stage, right? And then you find an attorney, and then they can easily substitute each other out. Okay, and be got fine. It. Got it. So that's some advice for people who who find themselves in jail. Just go ahead and go with the public, the, the, the court appointed counsel. You're not you're not stuck that person for life. You right. can always change, but it's better to have someone fighting for you that you can call that can file a motion for you than not have anyone at all. Right. Um, and so, but as I, as I was saying, I was telling her earlier, I mean, just a moment ago, in terms of making decisions and, and them affecting other people and how we're all connected. Um, as a public defender, one thing that drove me to return calls, return emails, file motions time was that this person can end up in jail a day, a day longer because I didn't, I didn't make that phone call. Mm. I didn't file that motion. I didn't call this person. And so that day could have been the one day that the creditors were going to give him not to lose his house not to lose his car before the SSI check got cut off. You know, so just, I mean, so I was like, that was me. And I can, and I, had, and I have had loved ones in jail before, and I knew that it was important that they get out on a certain day. And if the public defender didn't answer the phone for me, that was just one day gone. Mm. You know what I mean? And so that's what drove me. And, and there were moments I would be like so proud. I would have a stack of things I know I need to do this day. And there were moments I come in court, I would come to my desk and it was clear. And I knew that I had done everything that I needed to do for whomever I needed to do it for. So my clients were either already out of jail or they were on their way out of jail. We had a court date set so we can get an opportunity to get out of jail. Nobody was just sitting there, just to be sitting there because Bridget didn't make the phone call. Bridget didn't file the motion. I mean, sometimes people are in jail because the the jail hadn't received the facts from the court. That's true. Mm-hmm. So I, I called right. and I would call municipal court. Hey, you know, so and so just left, left court, and I had the paperwork. Do you have it? Oh, I don't have it. Well, hold on, let me email it to you. Let me fax it to you. So now you have it. Okay, you got it. Can you fax to Raymond? We're going to, you know, they, here's the decision making. I'm going to let the other shift do it. So you have decided that it's not important you on this shift to do it. You got three hours left in the shift. <laughs> which means now the bell bonds are probably going home for the day. Right. So you see how all those decisions affect the person, affect somebody else. So my, so I would literally, literally wait. And I would go, sometimes I would go down. Or I would take my paperwork and I would send it to the Raymond jail. Hey, you should be expecting this from municipal court. But here it is just in case you don't already have it. I had relationships with the people there. Well, I was able to call them by name and say, hey, check, the, check your fax machine right now. Fax them over. Okay, hold on, Bridget. 
paper rambling. Coming back. Oh yeah, I got John Doe right here. What? Oh yeah, okay. You tell him to send him on that bell box on your way. Because you have taken the time to, to make a phone call. You know, I, <laughs> I understand now why it was difficult for me to reach you. Yeah. You me back yet. <laughs> advocating for the clients that's, that's and no matter who my my clients have changed now my clients are no longer I'm not a public defender anymore unfortunately um but right now I'm on the other side I'm representing I protect the police officers now so it's interesting right but as a part of my job I'm, I'm also involved in IAD and when I when I realized I was involved in IAD I said God you funny because I told you I wanted to hold them accountable <laughs> so, right. and I thought public oh, defense my. was the only way no. and so IAD is internal affairs exactly yeah. absolutely wow absolutely wow. Wow. Absolutely. Well, he put you in a position where you could yeah. actually do it. Yes. Right. That's Directly. amazing. Wow. So, um, and, and, and there's never any foul intent. I mean, the passion never, no matter who the client is, like I told you, black, white, polka dot. So right. even though my clients have now shit, and, and I had I had relationships with the police officers when I was on that side, so it was easier for them to accept me when I came on their side. They were like, okay, I'm just glad you're over here. I don't got to fight you on their side. I'm glad you're <laughs> on our side now. You know, and so that's the kind of respect wow. I get, you know. And so yes, they're sir. my clients, so now I'm looking out for your best interest. Right. But I don't, have to, I, don't have to, I don't have to harm anybody else in looking out for your best interest. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I, right. I don't have to say, well, you know what? Your raggedy report is, gonna, is, is good enough. To get John Doe in jail now that none of them on your side. No, right. It's still, it's still. I'm on the side of the right, no matter who I represent, right? That's good. So, so, and that's why you yeah. need to be a judge. <laughs> really, you that's do. Why you yeah. So you run in when? I'm so, I am so very serious. <laughs> I am. We we need we need more. Oh yeah. Of that type of integrity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. That's what we need. We need, and that's what I learned. I learned it so long ago. Do what you're supposed to do, even when no one is looking. And that's the that's last true. piece I would leave. Someone is always looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm telling you, even when no one is looking, but somebody is always looking. Mm-hmm. Somebody, somebody's peeking at the blinds. Mm-hmm. Somebody passed right. by that told somebody you don't, you do not get away with anything. That's right. Somebody's and that, ear hustling. Somebody's yeah. ear hustling. You, you just you don't get away with anything. So it's mm-hmm. better to go ahead and do what you're supposed to do. That's so right. that when you're mm-hmm. caught, when your character is called to question, you can sit there just as good and say yes. Mm-hmm. I said X, Y, and Z. You know, and you may interpret it how you interpret, but I know what I see. You know, there's mm-hmm. no. You can't, like you said, they say your first impression is your last impression. Mm-hmm. Right. Do the right thing the first time. So so you can't say, well, um, he pulled me out of character. Or that's not who I really am. Well, if, you, if you're consistently who you really are. Consistently, yeah. Then, right. we, then there's no question about it. I don't have to prove anything to you. Because this, this is who I am to Miss Sanders. This is who I am mm-hmm. to Mr. Gooch. This is who I am to Jackson, mm-hmm. my son. This is who I am to my best friend. Yes. Right. This yeah. is who I am. Yes. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Wow. Well, I tell you what, wow. we all have a lot to learn from this. Yes. Yes. Wow. Well, it's been, uh, Miss Andrews, what, what is your... I am just, um, when whenever you get ready to run for judge, please do let me know. <laughs> please do let me know. Because I, you know, and I, 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 I'm just overwhelmed with you. I really am. Because there we need so many young people like you, you know, so many people to say, hey, let me just go hmm, stand for somebody that can't stand for themselves. I can get emotional here in a minute. You know, just stand for somebody that can't stand for themselves, you know, and sometimes people take the, um, you know, they take advantage of the people that can't stand for themselves for their own gain. Mm-hmm. But to see you saying, oh, no, you know, if you write, you write. 
And if you're wrong, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hold you accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, if, and it, like you said, it doesn't matter whether somebody's looking or not, but of course, somebody's always looking. Mm-hmm. And if they're not, he is mm-hmm. who you have to give encounter, mm-hmm. you know, accountable to anyway. So I am just, I am, I'm just so proud of you. Mm-hmm. I really am. Thank I'm you. so very proud of you, you because, you know, life always can go in another direction. Mm-hmm. But when I look at you, it's just like a beautiful flower just sitting there blooming I'm so sincere when I say that because I am like somebody said on TV I'm expecting great things out of you <laughs> you know even bigger and better and any way that we can assist I I can assist I will always be right there at a text or phone call or drive by doesn't matter I'm just there to help support you with whatever you want to do sure I'm just so you. proud of you I, I really truly you. am and, 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 and she expressed my sentiments exactly. So, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, um, are you available for that? Or? Yeah, I'm Facebook Bridget M. Morgan Esquire. On Facebook, uh, email Bridget M. Morgan at yahoo.com. Um, and that's basically okay. where they can get in contact mm-hmm. with me. Great, great. Well, we don't want to open the door for to have an onslaught of people just bombarding <laughs> your doors. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm certain that people will want to. You know, connect Absolutely. with you because of Absolutely. the things that you're sharing. Mm-hmm. So, Miss Sanders, uh, how would we get in touch with you? I am at Geneva Foundation dot org. And, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to know more about I Am Free Incorporated, it's I Am Free Inc. dot com. So, it's been a plum pleasing pleasure. It's well as a privilege to have. There it is, plum pleasing pleasure. The jury will remember that. <laughs> <laughs> to have. Uh, Mrs. Bridget Morgan Amen. here, and uh, we she has been a breath of fresh air. Wouldn't yes. you agree, Miss Anne? Absolutely, absolutely. She has my head going again. Absolutely. Just so proud. So we hope you'll come back. And absolutely. We'll, we'll do a TV show starting the first of the year, mm-hmm. and we certainly won't. People to be, I believe our ratings would increase a bit. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, but thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to New Beginnings Radio, where we're planting seeds today for a better tomorrow and helping you to take progressive steps towards your freedom. We're here every Monday morning at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time. We hope you join us. So may the goodness and mercy of the Lord pursue you all week long, and we'll see you right back here on Monday. Have a great week, everyone.